Brett McGarry. This week on The Couch Potatoes, it's our October movie preview, and I've got a review of the highly anticipated Joker. Plus, I'm Jeff Braun. I watched what may be the worst show on television this week. I'll review The Island. I'll also review Ad Astra. Let's kick off that preview. And there's a big one this week, The Joker. Not The Joker, just Joker, starring Joaquin Phoenix. Arthur, I have some bad news for you. (laughs) This is the last time we'll be meeting. You don't listen, do you? You just ask the same questions every week. How's your job? Are you having any negative thoughts? All I have are negative thoughts. A lot of people pick on Arthur and it's having an effect on him. One of those people is a talk show host played by Robert De Niro, whom Arthur idolizes until he makes fun of his stand-up comedy. And finally, in a world where everyone thinks they can do my job, check out this guy. When I was a little boy and told people I was going to be a comedian, everyone laughed at me. Well, no one's laughing now. You can say that again, pal. Todd Phillips directs and clearly pays homage to a couple of Scorsese classics in Taxi Driver and The King of Comedy, hence the De Niro casting, and Joker is out right now. For my whole life, I didn't know if I even really existed. I do. People are starting to notice. You think this is funny? (laughs) Is this a joke to you? So I saw this movie this week. First things first, not going to compare Joaquin Phoenix's Joker to Jack Nicholson or Heath Ledger or Cesar Romero or Mark Hamill from the animated series, which, by the way, I read a ranking of like eight Jokers, and they picked Mark Hamill from the cartoon as the best Joker ever. I'm not going to make that comparison because this is not a movie about the Batman supervillain Joker. This is a movie about a sick man who is systematically beaten down, figuratively and literally, by society, and eventually becomes the man who will become the Batman supervillain. So if you're looking for a comic book movie, and I feel like there's going to be some disappointed people out there who just want to go see the Joker in action. Hey, a movie about the Joker? That's awesome. If you're looking for that Joker, the comic book Joker, with a wild story in action, look elsewhere. This is a deep dark character dive and it is utterly fascinating thanks to a virtuoso performance from Joaquin Phoenix just incredible also worth pointing out great musical score just haunting and sort of this ever-present sense of dread it maybe takes too long to really get going and that's you know I read Rotten Tomatoes is is, last I checked it was like 73 percent it's kind of hovering in the low 70s and a lot of people are saying that it's just too tedious it's too long drawn out yeah 70 percent was the most recent pardon me that's a origin story problem a lot of times yeah so and also I should before I forget I should point out this is not connected to DC's extended universe this is far as I far as I know this is just a one-off yeah the well it's the other guy's the joker in that right yeah uh Jared Leto I guess yeah that's right yeah or is it Leto 
I think it's Leto. Oh, Jared Leto, yes. So um, it takes a while to get going because most of the movie is just incident after incident of Arthur getting screwed by the world and how it slowly breaks him down. And after a while, it starts to just feel like too much, like they're going out of their way to make sure that we didn't see this as a comic book movie, that we understood this was a serious drama. Because it's just, it's almost torturous watching this guy deal with all of the pain he's handed. Some of it is physical pain with the various beatings he endures. Other, other pain is emotional pain. He just wants people to show him some kindness, some basic decency. But no matter where he goes, he just doesn't get it. And I think we can kind of all relate to feeling a little unhinged when instead of being treated with decency, we're treated like garbage. And in Arthur's case, it is just eventually too much. Now, that's not a spoiler. I mean, that's the whole premise of this movie. It's about a mentally ill man who is shattered by the world to the point where he snaps and becomes the Joker. It'd be a spoiler if he didn't become the Joker. Yeah. (laughs) Plot twist. That's in the sequel. But this Joker, interesting with this Joker because he's not yet the supervillain. So you can't help but feel for him because his entire life has been pain. He has no one. Everyone makes fun of him. Everyone thinks he's a creep. No one is nice to him. Who wouldn't snap under those circumstances? The movie has been the source of some controversy, though, uh, due to fears that it will inspire real-life violence, uh, because this sort of thing already happens all the time. Guys who feel let down by the world snap and turn to violence, be it a mass shooting or whatever. So I'm not really sure how I feel about that, about these criticisms, because art can't always be warm and fuzzy. And if anything... Maybe this movie can serve as a reminder to be a good person, because you never know how your crappy behavior will affect someone. And I don't mean you'd better be nice to people or they'll snap and go on a killing spree. But, you know, being nice to people can be the difference between a good day or a bad day for them. And that was one of the takeaways that I got from watching this movie, that, hey, it really doesn't hurt to just be nice to people. Overall, I liked this movie. It is getting a lot of criticism, and like I said, it doesn't have the best rating on Rotten Tomatoes. It was a little slow and tedious for me. It's only two hours long, but it did still drag along for a while. But once it finally got to the the real meat and potatoes of where it was going, I was just enthralled. And a magnificent performance through and through for Joaquin Phoenix. And because it was so long, I think, even though I, I wish they would have picked up the pace a little bit, it made for a believable transformation from this meek sort of sad man into the guy who will become the Joker. You know, like, when the trans- when the transition is too fast, like, yeah. for example, Anakin Skywalker and Revenge of the Sith, they kind of got it, but they didn't really stick the landing on that one. It was just too hard to swallow that, oh, now he's... Now he's a bad guy and he's killing everybody. Whereas in this Even one, though they had three movies to get there, but whatever. Yeah. Whereas in this one, you believe that this is the path that led him to snap and and lose it and change his perspective and become the Joker. So I recommend it. But again, if you are going in there looking for some sort of comic wacky caper, don't bother. Four couch cushions out of five for Joker. I look forward to seeing it, and hopefully I will get to that in the next week. That's the only new movie out this weekend, huh? That's the big one this weekend, right. yeah. there's. Uh, why don't we do one for next week before we uh, pause here? Yeah, on the 11th, the Adams Family is back, but this time in animated form. What ah! a nervous mess. Welcome to the neighborhood. What an interesting home. Fire in the hole. You sunk my battleship! Yes! 
The Adams Family, a crazy family made up of ghoulish characters, goes back to the 30s in origin, where they began as cartoon characters in the New Yorker magazine. They're probably most famous for the TV sitcom from the 60s. There were a couple of popular live-action movies in the early 90s, followed by an unpopular reboot in the late 90s, and now this animated film. Yes. These people are monsters. They'll ruin the neighborhood. Hey, neighbor. what I do? Down, we're all the same. Let's show them what it means to be an Adams. This is gonna be lit. Choke on this. I got candy. Oh, yes. Yuck. I've done this thousands of times. Can't imagine the kids really know anything about the Adams Family at this point, but simply being a weird family might be enough to get over that part of things. The voice cast is impressive, including Charlize Theron, Oscar Isaac, Chloe Grace Moretz, Finn Wolfhard, Nick Kroll, Bette Midler, Allison Janney, and Snoop Dogg. Up next, it's Will Smith versus Will Smith. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes, continuing now with our October movie preview. We are on to October 11th. And next up, Will Smith stars in the Ang Lee-directed Gemini Man. Tell me something. Why is it so hard for you to kill this man? He knew every move of mine before I made it. I'd have him right there to take the shot. I wanna be forever young. And he'd be gone like a ghost. Do you really wanna live forever? Who is he? Who is he? He's you! It's Will Smith versus the Fresh Prince. I think I know why he's as good as you. He is you. 25 years ago, they made you from me. They chose me because there's never been anybody like me. We have to end this right now. Gemini Man is about an aging hitman who is targeted by a younger clone of himself. This was conceived back in 1997, and the film was stuck in development hell for 20 years. Several directors, including Tony Scott, Curtis Hansen, and Joe Carnahan... Two of those guys are dead. Tony Scott and... and Curtis Hansen. They were all attached at some point, and numerous actors, including Harrison Ford, Mel Gibson, Clint Eastwood, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone, and Sean Connery were set to star. He retired 15 years ago. <laughs> yeah. So this movie's been sitting around for a long time. They finally got Will Smith and Ang Lee on board. Now, the CG treatment to make Will Smith's face look younger is suspect at times, which is weird because they did such a great job on Samuel L. Jackson as a younger Nick Fury in Captain Marvel, but... Maybe they just hadn't finished the effects yet when they released the trailer. Like, that trailer came out a few months ago already. Either way, looks pretty cool. You can't beat me. I'm you, only better. I'm the best. You are obviously not the best. You had your time. It's my time now. Gemini Man, October 11th, rated PG-13. Also on October 11th, a movie about one man's true love... 
His phone. It's called Jexy. The future of smartphones has arrived. Introducing a different kind of digital assistant. Mm, smells so new. We use mm. the latest technology to bring you something extraordinary. Hello, my name is Jexy, and I am here to make your life better. Oh, look at that. That's cool. I will need the passwords to all of your accounts. One, two, three, four, five, six. Stupid. Huh? How can I help you? Let's get dinner. You look like you could use a salad fill. What kind of phone is this? Adam Devine plays a regular Joe who gets a new phone and which has a Siri-like virtual assistant. This one's called Jexy. Jexy is voiced by Rose Byrne, like how Scarlett Johansson was the Alexa in the movie Her. But Jexy has attitude, and that's where a lot of the comedy comes in. You guys are supposed to write lists that break the internet every day. We haven't gone viral since yesterday. Prison lips, what do you got? Cats that look like Ryan Gosling. I likey. I likey like. Your boss is a moron. What is wrong with your phone, dude? Phil, you have zero friends. Take a chance and try something new. She is so cute. I heard you say, call Kate Finnegan. No, I did not. Bye, Chavez Kate. Hang up the phone, Jesse. Hello? Hi! I suppose it was only a matter of time before movies leaned this hard into cell phone culture, or a reflection of our times, indeed. Looks like there's some good laughs. I don't expect it's going to really tear things up at the box office. Why not wait a few months and watch it on your phone? What does this girl have that I don't have? Well, a soul, for one. Does she have Google Maps? No. She sucks. I control your email and bank accounts. No one puts baby in a corner. Why are you doing this to me? I am programmed to make your life better. You and I are meant to be together forever. 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 Your phone sent pictures of your junk to everyone. Oh, no! Carol's pretty psyched. We've actually got another movie coming up a bit later on in the preview that also has to do with cell phone culture, but (laughs) this one is scary. On Tuesday, October 15th... All right, you mother... I know you're in there. Come out right now! Stop the mother... That son of a... doesn't have a... He's got a... Just got a tucked in. Identify yourselves, mother I'm Jay, and this my head will life made Silent Bob. Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes are back in Jay and Silent Bob Reboot. Don't tell me you guys have no idea there's a new comic book movie being made of the old comic book movie you two are the basis for. That old star-studded piece of that movie sucks. Your Honor, I object. I'll allow it. That movie did suck and We got three days to get to Hollywood and stop this reboot from ever happening. So the director of movies like Clerks, Small Rats, Dogma, Clerks 2, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, Kevin Smith, is going back to the well again with a star-studded cast of familiar faces from his past movies. The cast includes Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Shannon Elizabeth, Jason Lee, Craig Robinson, Justin Long, Jason Biggs, James Vanderbeek, Val Kilmer, Tommy Chong, Fred Armisen, Molly Shannon, Rosario Dawson, and many more. Do you remember what Jason Biggs and James Van Vanderbeek did for him in other movies. They were in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, and they played Jay and Silent Bob in that earlier movie that they were talking about. Oh, yeah? Yeah, so it'll be... They'll be mad about the reboot because they were the original Jay and Silent Bob in the movie. Oh, that's right. The movie. Yeah, and they do. I think they do talk about the movie. They think they say the movie sucks or something like that. Now, as you heard, 
The Red Band trailer, and I don't know that there actually is a Green Band trailer. I couldn't find it. He wouldn't bother it. with that, nah. The Red Band trailer is incredibly filthy. It looks silly and juvenile, but I used to like silly and juvenile, so I think I might have to give this one a shot. Moving to October 18th, a sequel to something that came out 10 years ago. It's Zombieland Double Tap. It's been 10 years since the zombie apocalypse. Time to put up or shut up. That thing's very 2009. <laughs> On October 18th. Please forgive me. It's Thank Fur. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. Hi, I'm Columbus. Madison. From the director of Venom. Need a ride? What the? And writers of Deadpool. You know why she's still alive? <laughs> because zombies eat brains and she ain't got any. Zombieland Double Tap. Rated R. October 18th. So that first Zombieland was set in a zombie apocalypse, but it was a comedy as opposed to the usual horror affair. It was super fun and critically acclaimed. It starred Woody Harrelson, Emma Stone, Jesse Eisenberg, and Abigail Breslin, among many others. Not sure this sequel was necessary, but hey, the first one was so much fun. I'll go back to the well. Up next, Angelina Jolie is going back to the well with Disney. Details next. You are listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett, he's Jeff, we are the Couch Potatoes, doing our October movie preview. We are on to October 18th, and Angelina Jolie is back in the follow-up to the 2014 smash hit from Disney. It's Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. Five years ago, I thought I lost you forever. There is no curse that could ever tear me away from you. Will you marry me? Yes! Philip asked me to marry him. No. I wasn't really asking. Nor was I. Love doesn't always end well, Beastie. Trust me. Let us prove you wrong. You have done an admirable job going against your own nature to raise this child. But now she will finally get the love of a real mother. Tonight, I consider Aurora my own. The first Maleficent was a live-action adaptation of their Sleeping Beauty story, focusing on Maleficent, the villain who cursed baby Princess Aurora to eventually fall into a deep sleep. That movie ended with her lightening up somewhat, even caring for the reawakened Aurora. The sequel continues to look at their complex relationship, and as you heard in that clip, Michelle Pfeiffer wants to take in Aurora as her own, and Maleficent ain't having it. Maleficent and her fellow magical creatures had formed a tenuous alliance with the people in the kingdom, but it seems all bets are off now. Looks action-packed. Jolie was great in the first one. And that first one was great. Hopefully this one is too. This isn't you. You do not know me. Finally, on the 18th, the man who brought us Thor Ragnarok brings us a movie called Jojo Rabbit. Here's Master Jojo. You're our top man. Prepare to leave the house. Today, you boys will be involved in such activities as war games, ambush techniques, and blowing stuff up. I don't think I can do this. Russ? Of course you can. 
This is a weird one. It's a comedy, a satire about Nazis. It's from director Taika Watiti. Am I saying his name right? I don't know that I am. Sounds about right, yeah. Yeah. He's got a unique sense of humor. That's what made Thor Ragnarok so much fun. This movie is about a young boy in some sort of a Nazi cadet program in the 40s, like Boy Scouts, but for Nazi kids. And he has an imaginary friend, Hitler. You can see why this movie is ruffling some feathers. Critics were split on it at the Toronto International Film Festival. He also discovers his mom, played by Scarlett Johansson, is hiding a Jewish girl from the Nazis in their home, and the kid is conflicted about what to do about it. The movie also stars Sam Rockwell, Rebel Wilson, Alfie Allen, Stephen Merchant, and a bunch of kids. If you watch a trailer, I'd say it looks silly enough that it can't really be taken seriously as some sort of pro-Nazi propaganda or anything, so we'll see if there's any real backlash against it. Oh, God. Nothing makes sense anymore. Yeah, I know. It's definitely not a good time to be a Nazi. On the 25th, there's a pretty cool-looking cop movie called Black and Blue. I gotta meet a CI. Where you going? Stay in the car. Listen, you already got rid of everyone that could talk. Doing here, rookie? Whoa, 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 whoa. Just relax. They're all cops here. This isn't what it looks like. What the hell did you do? Shut a body cam on! But we got a ghost! She's gone! Find her! Naomi Harris plays a rookie cop in Nolens who stumbles into her partner doing some shady stuff and then she gets shot for it. But she survives and she's on the run from the crooked cops and the crooks and she gets help from Tyrese Gibson who we all know and love as Roman in the Fast and Furious movies. Here he's just a passerby who's drawn into her adventure. Black and Blue looks good. Also stars Mike Coulter and Frank Grillo. Hey, I've been shot. What? You can't be in here with this. The police, they'll help you. It was the cops that shot me. And Bruce Springsteen's back for what you could say is his third movie of the past year. On the 25th, you'll find the boss in Western Stars. Change. How do you change yourself? We've got a hundred-year-old barn filled with the best kind of ghosts and spirits. We got to play for a few friends. You never know what's going to happen with new music. Had enough heartbreak and pain. Had a little sweet spot for the rain. It's easy to lose yourself or never find yourself. The older you get, the heavier that baggage becomes that you haven't sorted through. So you run. I've done a lot of that kind of running. Western Stars is a concert film named after the album Springsteen put out this past summer. I went on a 5,000-kilometer road trip this summer and gave Western Stars a really good run for its money. So here he's playing the album in a barn for some friends, and he'll have little soliloquies between songs and stuff. Now, just a couple of months ago, Blinded by the Lights hit theaters. That was about a teen in England falling in love with Springsteen's music and had a ton of Bruce music in it. And then last December, there was Springsteen on Broadway on Netflix, another concert film of his one-man Broadway show. That was really terrific. So it's been Boon times for Bruce fans. This looks to be just as good. Western stars in theaters on the 25th. 
life's mysteries remain and deepen. Its answers unresolved. So you walk on through the dark because that's where the next morning is. Tonight the western stars are shining bright again. 5,000-kilometer road trip? Yeah, baby. Impressive? Yeah. It was a third of the way across the country and back. And you listened to that the whole time? No, no. I listened to it a bunch of times, though. Okay. (laughs) All right. Just Western (laughs) stars on repeat 400 times. So one more on the 25th to close out the month. It is the aforementioned scary movie about cell phones called Countdown. Our phones have become essential. Apps keep track of our schedules, our fitness our love lives but what if an app could tell you how long i got 63 years 57 years before you die would you want to know what two days so there it is. You download an app. It tells you how long you've got left to live. People just do it for fun, but it turns out it's not so fun, especially when our young hero learns she's only got a couple of days left. And it turns out there is a supernatural force at play, and with death closing in, she has to learn how to beat the clock before her time is up. What if this doesn't work? A fate much worse than death will pursue you. Come with me. It will overwhelm you until you are utterly destroyed. Wake up. Yo, are you calling my name? Countdown. Up next, Jeff reviews what he thinks is one of the worst TV shows he's ever seen. And Brad Pitt goes to space. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. Uh, Brett reviewed Joker earlier in the show. Brett, how much did you give Joker? Four couch cushions out of five. Right. I hope to go see that in the next week, or certainly in the next couple of weeks. I did go to the movies this week. I saw Ad Astra starring Brad Pitt. Up there is where our story's going to be told. Critics are calling Ad Astra a masterpiece. What happened? They think my father is responsible. All life could be destroyed. Brad Pitt's performance is true movie stardom. I've done everything you've asked me. Not everything. It's thought-provoking. They never told you what happened out there. And awe-inspiring. Five stars. I hope you're okay. And I love you. Ad Astra. Ready PG-13. Get tickets now. Brad Pitt's having a year. He plays an astronaut in this one. Of course, I raved about his performance this summer in Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He should get an Oscar nod for that puppy. He may very well be looking at one for Ad Astra as well. The basic story is this. It's the near future. Space travel is quite advanced to what we have now. There are stations and mining colonies on the moon and Mars. And Pitt's dad, Tommy Lee Jones, was also an astronaut. He led a mission to deep space decades earlier and never came back. Now the Earth is being hit by these destructive pulses from space. They think it might have something to do with Tommy Lee Jones' spaceship, but they don't really know where that is or if he or anyone else is on it and alive. So they're going to send Pitt to Mars to try to communicate with his dad if his dad's still alive. And a lot of things happen on his journey. That's the basic premise. But the movie is much, much less about plot than it is about Brad Pitt's inner self. He has all sorts of issues about abandonment, which you would as well if your dad left for space and never came back. He failed, has a failed marriage. 
And he's just the epitome of solitude, except for maybe the Joker. Um, he doesn't speak a lot in the movie. He rarely shows emotion. He goes on a pretty fascinating inner journey, and they're lucky they got Brad Pitt in this movie because it really does require a movie star to pull this off. The whole thing rolls out pretty slowly, a little too slowly for a lot of people, it seems like. That's what I hear a lot. And my girlfriend fell asleep, and she's never fallen asleep at the movies before, so that's not really a ringing endorsement, is it? No, but I fell asleep during Mission Impossible <laughs> Fallout, so. That's true. Uh, I found it interesting, but not particularly entertaining. That's not necessarily a bad thing if you like interesting, but most people go to the movies for entertaining. Pitt helps a lot, again, because he's got that movie star quality that holds your attention. Aside from all the close-ups of him, and there are many, the rest of the film is also beautiful. It's hard to screw up cinematography in a space movie, and there are a lot of really amazing shots from the giant antenna that you see in the trailers. It stretches from the Earth all the way into space to astronauts fighting weightlessness to the moon chase and stuff like that. Stuff you've never seen before. It's really cool visually. But it really is more like 2001 A Space Odyssey than it is like Armageddon. So if you're expecting an exciting space romp, you will be disappointed. It is definitely watchable. Frankly, if it gets awards and nominations, I won't be surprised either. I enjoyed it, but it was hard to get really get emotional about it. It's just more of a movie you admire than you really feel anything about. So for those reasons, I'm going to give Ad Astra three couch cushions out of five. All right. I, I, sh I still kind of want to go see it on a big screen just because space movies yeah. on this big Screen. There, there is value in that. Just don't get excited that there's going to be like Bruce Willis blowing up a meteor or something like that. <laughs> okay. Uh, I saw something else this week. I started watching what many critics are saying is the worst show on Netflix, the worst show on TV, maybe even the worst show of all time. It is a Netflix show and it's called The Island. Nobody can remember anything at all about how we woke up here. Then what? I mean, our plane went down? I just want to figure this thing out. We haven't seen half the this island's going to throw at us. We're going to die out here. We have to be ready. Or we try to get out of here. The island, spelled I-land, no S. Uh, the premise is this. Ten strangers wake up on a strange beach on a deserted island and have no memory of who they are or how they got there or where there is. Now, if this happened to you or me, our brains would melt. It would be the most upsetting thing that had ever happened to us. These guys go swimming instead of looking for food, fresh water, or shelter. You know, the basic stuff you see in episode one of Survivor each season. Survivor also opens with everyone being generally friendly with each other, even though they all know that they're there to beat each other. On the island, everyone's a jerk right out of the gate for no reason whatsoever. None of the characters are pleasant. Many are outright hostile just for the sake of being hostile. Uh, there's even a rape that most characters just shrug their shoulders at. It's insane. And it's so poorly written on every single level. There's cringy dialogue, and despite some nice scenic shots, there are several instances in the first uh, couple of episodes where they do a very bad job of basic things, like opening a scene with an establishing shot so you have an understanding of the geography of that scene. Some of the reviews online, though, have been fun. Um, here's a couple. Quote, The Island, a new survival mystery series streaming on Netflix, is what it would be like if a four-year-old was in charge of the Lost Writers' Room. Or, how about this one? It's like if the cast of Love Island were told on day one of filming, they had 24 hours to make a TV show using only the props they had on them. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> There's another one. Nothing in the island makes sense. For one, none of the castaways seem scared or angry or upset, and everything they say and do is stupid. <laughs> Those are all uh, collected from a, a website called Quarty. 
Dan Feinberg in The Hollywood Reporter says, quote, they've made a porn parody of Lost without the sex. Oh, nice. nice. <laughs> I've watched three episodes and, uh, spoiler alert, sort of. In episode three, they sort of abandon a lot of the mystery and just explain what the deal is, and it's not interesting at all. The Lost comparisons are apt, but unlike Lost, you don't care about the characters, you don't care about the mysteries. Now, I found it to be entertaining enough on the so-bad-it's-good level to keep watching. I don't know if I'll watch all seven episodes. Um, your mileage will vary, but I definitely do recommend watching the first 15 minutes or so. If, if you find If you laugh at that and you find it funny, keep watching. If you just think, well, this is just terrible, and I hate it. Stop. I am not going to bother. With not that. even a little bit? No. Not even no. five minutes? Not interested in watching garbage. <laughs> so you have fun. If you enjoy, take enjoyment out of watching bad stuff, I will oh, just be good. irritated. Got about a minute left here. Let's just quickly look at what's coming to home video. Simba, you have to take your place as king. So that's coming to Digital HD on Friday, October 11th. That was The Lion King on Blu-ray, DVD, and On Demand on Tuesday, October 8th. You've got Midsummer. That's that weird uh, movie about the young people who go to a party and it turns out to be a bunch of cannibals and yeah. what have you. Toy Story 4 and Deadwood the movie. It'd be a pity not to recognize what's at stake. To go ahead and die stupid. Hey, Tan the Fool. That's it. That's all the time we've got. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at CouchPotato68. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother.